Hey y'all, welcome to episode four of Fresh Out the Cocoon. This is your host, Joy. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today, who may be tuning in tomorrow or any days afterwards. Thank you for your likes. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your downloads. Uh, Today's episode, uh, I think is pretty straightforward. The title of episode four is Worry About Yourself, The Toxicity of Healthism, and the Importance of the Health at Every Size Paradigm. We're going to talk about this um, because, one, people don't know how to mind their business. And I think it's important that they be reminded that they should mind their business, particularly um, when it comes to fat people um, and the ways in which people often tell us that they are so super concerned about our health. Um, And so I guess I'm here just to send out a reminder, a little reminder, like this isn't about you. Mind your business. Um, And then the other thing is that um, with everything that's going on, particularly in society and how oftentimes diet culture is shoved down our throats, uh, it's important to know that there are alternatives. It's important to know that you can find a community uh, who will support you at the size that you are um, and also help to um, better health in a more holistic way, which is what the health at every size paradigm does. So uh, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on introductions. I do kind of want to jump into things and get started. Um, and so I looked up on the on the on the on the internet uh, a definition. I'll get it right. Listen, I'm gonna get these words out today. Okay, um, a definition of what healthism is. Uh, and dictionary.com pretty much says that healthism is a lifestyle that prioritizes health and fitness over everything else. So I want people to understand that when I'm talking about healthism today, when I'm talking about working out in fitness and quote unquote eating right um, or eating clean, as people would like to say, I am not talking about people who choose to do this and kind of go on about their life. I'm talking about individuals who tend to take this to an extreme, who obsess over the idea of healthy eating and fitness, why it's problematic, what happens to everybody else who doesn't participate in this. And, you know, whatever. If it ain't you, you ain't got a reason to holler. If it is you, if the shoe fits, you might kind of want to think about the ways in which you, um, you know, you participate in behaviors that help propel this idea of healthism that so many people are kind of forced to deal with. And I say forced to deal with because healthism is something that runs rampant when we talk about this, when we talk about Uh, society. When we talk about diet culture, you see it everywhere, right? And so um, we kind of have this thing that's happening now where people are like, well, I'm not working out to lose weight. I'm actually working out to better my health. It's not about weight. It's about my health, right? Um, And that may be very, very well true for some people. um, But if that not about weight, it's about your health kind of drives you back to what diet culture is, then it's really kind of about your weight. Uh, And it's really not about your health. Um, And you find that that's kind of the same uh, mantra that's used when, you know, when people decide that they have a right to police fat people's bodies, right? Well, it's not about your weight, right? It's not about the size of your body. It's really about your health. That's what I'm more concerned about. And y'all, I heard stories like people be in the supermarket and they, and people take stuff out their carts, like who, where, listen, 
I don't understand why people would do that. Like, are you, do you not like your life? Like, are you trying to be assaulted in, in the supermarket? Because I would flip out if somebody took some stuff out of my car talking about, you don't need this because of your health. What? Like, how do you know? What do you know? How do you know who I'm shopping for? Right? So people are bold. And um, believe it or not, diet culture and healthism kind of propels this type of thinking, right? The idea that people have a right to kind of police each other or police each other's bodies in a way that like, you don't know me from a can of paint, but you feel like you're justified in reaching your little hands, okay? And my cart, like this ain't even, it's not even Black Friday. Like Black Friday, you kind of understand like people just take other people's stuff because stuff be on sale. No, just like ordinary days. People just taking stuff out because you decided you was going to, people make health assessments about other people. Man, okay, okay. So we got to talk about this because I don't know. I try, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm all about saving lives. And so if I could give somebody some advice, like don't stick your hand in somebody else's cart. If you want to live, I feel like this is a worthy endeavor to undertake because people are crazy okay and don't have us out here fighting for no reason like you can't be violating people's uh people's privacy and 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 boundaries physical boundaries like that so yes so healthism is a problem right we're talking about the extremes of what it means to kind of be obsessed with health what it means to be obsessed with um fitness and some of the biggest problems why this is 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 an issue is because oftentimes what happens is that when we start talking about health and fitness, a lot of the weight falls on personal responsibility. So if you look on TV, if you happen to come across an infomercial about weight loss, if you happen to come across a commercial about weight loss, uh, if you hear other people talk about weight loss, things of that nature, oftentimes weight is seen as this, this thing of personal responsibility. All the weight falls on the individual. So um, people believe, you know, that they're able to lose weight based on things like clean eating, organic foods, eating, you know, every four hours you eat three meals or you eat small six small meals and you know you work out three to five times a week some people do walking some people do stuff like crossfit some people are into uh stuff like insanity and they believe that by you taking these measures you're going to be able to have a different body right um it's not really as much about health because ain't nobody ain't nobody testing no health markers. Really. I mean, if we be honest about it, um, Sean T don't be like, okay, now go to the go to the doctors, get your blood pressure and your blood work done. He don't say that, right? He said, Oh, you're gonna have lean abs, you're gonna be, you know, sexy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's this dichotomy that starts to happen because it separates what we would call like in the fat community we would say you know good fatties versus bad fatties and so good fatties are going to be people who participate um in these these health conscious types of um activities and will say that you know oh well you know i do i i eat clean i do this i do that and i work out or whatever and bad fatties will be considered obviously or be categorized as individuals who don't do those things right and so the idea that kind of drives healthism right is that this is the, it's a thing of personal responsibility so you are the way that you are you have the body that you have right now because of what you choose to do or not do with it it doesn't take into account all the other things that contribute to why people's bodies are the way that they are 
right so when we talk about environment when we talk about genetics genetics is probably the biggest thing that determines somebody's body size um but people tend not to talk about those things and i think part of it is because those are things that are not as easily changeable um but if we can create a narrative around fat people that say it's your fault why you're fat and everybody else isn't fat like people who work out isn't fat that's a lie from the pit of hell but you know people who eat clean people who are vegans people who are vegetarians right there's this assumption that they're not fat like okay whatever y'all there are fat vegetarians and there are fat vegans all right the same way there are fat carnivores fat people are everywhere um but if we can if we can if we can draw up this narrative about them and say that these are the reasons why they are the way that they are healthism within itself okay kind of helps to perpetuate what we know weight stigma to be right and this is everywhere this is everywhere in society right people tell you it's it's so simple it's it's calories in calories out no no it's not that simple at all, right? Actually, um, particularly when you talk about genetics, particularly when you start talking about environment, when you talk about socioeconomic status. So there's a lot of different things that go into why people are the size that they are, right? And one of those biggest reasons is people can, in fact, choose to be the size that they are. And people should not be demonized because they choose to have larger bodies. Because being larger, okay, does not equal being unhealthy and when we start to look at health in a way in a more holistic way this is another thing like in this country we don't really know like in my opinion anyway we're not really educated on what health is when you start talking about health people tend to think physical health why things are separated i don't know when we talk about mental health emotional health physical health how all of those things combine together play a part I think then we are talking about health um, in a way in which it becomes relevant, okay? There's a bunch of small people walking around, small body people walking around who are jacked up mentally, jacked up emotionally, and in some ways jacked up physically, you just don't see it, okay? Uh, so another reason why healthism isn't good is because healthism in a lot of ways does favor smaller bodies because we believe that if you are eating a particular way um and if you are working out then you then that all you know that equates to you being healthy but you don't know that by just looking at someone you have no idea what they eat right you have no you you have no idea their workout regimen just because they're smaller doesn't mean that they're healthy and so looking at those things you know healthism is a mess what i want to say next hmm what i want to say next oh so what i also want to say is that sometimes the elephant in the room is the thing that nobody really wants to talk about. And so what are the elephants? Because there's many elephants in the room when it comes to diet culture. I'm going to talk about a couple of them real quick. Finna run them down. Finna run them down. Okay? Um, number one is that health is subjective. We live in a country where we, you know, the medical community, particularly the medical community, runs this idea that health is not subjective. Like, there's a one-size-fits-all health regimen for everyone. Y'all, that's not accurate. Okay? 
all five foot four individuals should not weigh 132 pounds, okay? We rely on dumb stuff like the BMI, the BMI that really does not assess health at all, the BMI that was created by someone in the 19th century. So we're still using a measurement from the 1800s to measure whether or not people are fat or not. And it's wrong, and they get it wrong all the time. There are athletes, professional athletes, football players who fall into the category of being overweight and obese on the BMI. And most people would look and say, well, they're not overweight or they're not obese. Uh, but according to the measurements, how they use the BMI, they are. Okay. And so again, another issue when we talk about diet culture, one thing, uh, because in some ways I think the United States, sometimes the health system in the United States is a little bit lazy. Um, we don't want to go through the true markers of what it takes to actually determine somebody's health. We don't want to look at things in a way that we are talking about emotional health, mental health, along with physical health. And so we use these dumb markers like the BMI to determine whether or not somebody should be deemed healthy. If you take my weight and divide it by my freaking height, and that's what's going to determine whether or not I'm healthy, then what I need insurance for? Why do I need to go to a doctor? I could do that myself. I could do it in my freaking, I could do it myself. Why am I paying these types of premiums? And what's crazy about it is that the other thing that, that goes along with this, these issues of healthism, right? Because in society as, as a whole, right, there is an obsession with health, eating, diet, culture, fitness, um, insurance companies use that as an opportunity to hike up prices for fat people. So now here we are, I'm paying extra money on my health insurance premium based on a tool that was created in the 1800s that can't tell doctors diddly do about my body. Okay. And so healthism is also driven by capitalism, um, or vice versa. But we are constantly pouring money into things that do not work, okay? And that do not benefit the bodies of people. One would say that since the 1800s, bodies have changed in some shape, way, or form. What we used to eat, we don't eat no more. Why isn't there new tools being created to better assess health when it comes to people? And so those are some of the things that we need to ask ourselves. And speaking of things that don't work, y'all, since we're here, might as well have a conversation about it. Diets. Right. Like I said, nowadays people say, oh, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. Well, yeah, it definitely is a lifestyle change. If you plan on keeping the weight off, don't think that you're going to be able to participate in an eating program. OK, for four months, for six months. And then you you finna be done. No, that's not how it's going to work, because diets. I don't care about whatever name you call them, are 95%, diets have a 95% failure rate. That means that out of the, out of 100 people, out of 100 people who go on a diet, eating plan, change their lifestyle, five of them suckers actually succeed. And when we say succeed in the long term, what we're actually talking about when we talk about research is that that equates two years. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I know that when I was caught up in diet culture, when I wanted to lose weight and fitness was like a thing, when I had got bitten by the healthism bug, um, yeah, I was not trying to lose weight and then like, you know, I needed to keep that off for more than two years. Um, that that was kind of, you know, I was I was trying to I was trying to make stuff permanent. Okay, so two years ain't long enough. And here's the thing: individuals who participate um, in diets. In two years, what winds up happening is that not only do you gain back what you lost, but you gain back more. Okay, and a lot of this is because your body um, pretty much 
inwardly there there's some things that happen within your body that send signals and your body thinks that there's something that's wrong that's why you're not supposed to lose large amount of amount of weight and in short periods of time because it sets off signals in your body your body be like oh snap something ain't right and then your body on purpose deliberately slows down your metabolism so you can gain weight back now when we talk about diet culture we talk about healthism oftentimes what we hear is that people say things like oh i hit a plateau so now you got to find a way to break through this plateau so that you can continue to lose weight and whether that be by dropping your calories or whether that be by doing something more um egregious than fitness right these are things that people do so that they can continue to lose weight but what you don't see inwardly again because it's not about health y'all what you don't see is the ways in which this is wreaking havoc internally so now um there's been a lot of stories that have come out individuals that have been on the biggest loser shows like that and they kind of talk about the ways in which they've gained all their weight back some people now have body um, body problems, so um, their knees are jacked up where they didn't have knee problems before. Um, they have aches and pains that they didn't have before. I can personally attest that during 2012 when I lost a decent amount of weight, um, my body was sore all the freaking time, okay? All the time. And although in some ways I had, you know, I was stronger, um, there were certain things, certain certain body muscles, parts, body parts that didn't 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 ache the way that they ached before I started working out. Um, if we're gonna talk about health in the realm of, of of working out, okay, the obsession that goes along with what you put in your body, how much you put in your body, that's also a very real thing that happens um, when diet culture kind of takes a hold, when healthism is running amok, uh, and so. Looking at this other elephant, right? Diets don't work. Diets don't work. When you start to shave off calories and do things that deliberately cause your body to be smaller, I don't care what you call it, there is a reaction that happens in your body and it's not just weight loss, okay? And so it's important to understand that all of this all of this rhetoric around, you know, diets being good, summer bodies are made in the winter, all of this other stuff. Listen, you might have a summer body, but if you ain't checking on the inside, okay? In 2015, I had a pulmonary embolism. For people who don't know what that is, that's when you have blood clots in your lungs, okay? I was out on a Craigslist run, okay? I loved the Craigslist, and there was a free rug, and I needed an area rug for my house, and I hit the, hit the block to pick up the... Um, not like hit the block in an illegal type of way. I went to go pick up a rug, y'all. I went to go pick up a rug, okay? Got to the lady's house to get the rug, mess around and collapsed. Collapsed on the front and on, on the front walkway. Lips hit the cement and everything, y'all. Had a pulmonary embolism. Listen, to me, those things that go on on the inside of your body, that's what health is, okay? Not this outward appearance of whether you're healthy or not. Now, here I am, I, I got a, a uh, the pulmonary embolism. Matter of fact, the doctor told me there was quite a few blood clots in my lungs. Uh, and that was from taking birth control. Now, 2011, 2012, I probably had blood clots and I lost all the weight and everybody was congratulating me. Probably still had blood clots and I'm in the process of dying slowly and nobody can see it, okay? Nobody could see it and it took me pretty much taking an L outside for them to notice that anything was going on, that anything was wrong. And you got people running around here screaming about, oh, if you have a bigger body, then that means that you're not healthy. 
what no if your body is not functioning the way that it's supposed to that might mean that your physical health needs to have a examination right like you need to get checked out okay but again physical health is not the only thing when we talk about health in society that needs to be looked at we also need to be able to look at emotional health we also need to be able to look at mental health um and so those things are important um so now so there said that um so what we talk about we talk about the bmi we talk about diets we talked about health being subjective okay um I also kind of want to touch really quick on um, the ways in which this kind of plays a role even within the fat community. It's important that being a part of the fat community that you kind of unpack internalized weight stigma. You you unpack internalized fat phobia because again, a lot of people now are adopting new language, right? So it's like they're old tricks. You pay your money for old tricks. Oh no, it's a lifestyle change. Yeah, for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. You're going to be stuck on a train and probably be horrified, petrified to get off it. Uh, especially if you see, especially if you see a difference. Especially if you get a smaller body, right? It's extremely hard to be fat in America. And so I don't necessarily fault people for not wanting to be fat in America. Um, fat people. Y'all, it's hard. If you if you had to be treated differently all the time, okay, if you were constantly being discriminated against, if you had to go out in public and nothing ever fit you, um, you can't ride in airplanes without paying twice for seats, okay, you walk wherever you go and people are constantly staring at you, gawking at you, you go to the supermarket, people taking stuff out your cart, okay? All of those things could have fat people feeling like they don't belong and that they don't want to be fat. I understand the need to look for alternatives, okay? But I'm also here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you, right? Our society is jacked up. People are jacked up. People have very nasty ideas and thoughts about who belongs where, right? Who qualifies for what? And healthism, like I said before, helps to kind of draw that line, another line when it comes to weight stigma, right? This idea of like who's good and who's not. And so one of the ways that some fat people survive even within the fat community, all right, and amongst friends and family is to be able to say, okay, like, yeah, I'm fat, but I do work out three to five times a week. Yeah, I'm fat, but I'm trying to cut out bread from my diet because it makes me feel X, Y, and Z, right? And as a way, it kind of alleviates some of the stigma, some of the finger pointing, some of the some of the defense that they have to put up. Um, because when we feel like we have a right, a justification, when people feel like they have a right and a justification of being your business, right? Typically, people who are obsessed with things like health and fitness and the dumbness that's associated with that, that tends to be enough justification for them. Oh, you are working out. Oh, that's good. Man, if I could tell y'all how many times I've been to the doctor and people get shocked when I tell them that I work out five times a week. When I was in the hospital for the pulmonary embolism, them people was like, oh, well, that's great. You work out more than me. If I could tell y'all how many times I've been tested for diabetes, okay, and then doctors come back and they be really sad that I test negative. All of that is in the vein of healthism. All of that is in the vein of what it means, what people think you should be, you know, based on how you look, based on, you know, your own physical activity, etc. right? But again, when we talk about physical health, uh, looking at it for what it is, why, why don't doctors call it quits after they test all your blood? Why don't doctors call it quits after they test, they put those little sticky things on your heart and the mantra come up, your EKGs, 
right? Why is there this incessant push to say, okay, well, you may not be sick now, but you will be. Like, who does that? Why is that like a thing? Are you waiting for me to be sick? Are you waiting for me to be in the hospital so you can say, oh, I told you so. See, I told you. Ain't got no red flags and none of my blood work, no red flags and anything. But you go out of your way to tell me that I'm unhealthy. You go out of your way to tell me that I'm jacked up. And again, you don't care about my mental health. You also don't care about my emotional health. I just had to leave a gynecologist that I thought I was, you know, I actually enjoy. I talked about this man. Oh, he's a good gynecologist. He informs me. Man, y'all, I went back to a gynecologist to get an exam. We talked, you know, he asked me about my health, physical health. Asked me about what was going on with the preliminary embolism. We had a good conversation. On my way out the office, they try to low-key slip me this paper talking about losing weight. So whenever I got home, you know, I emailed him and he started saying some real fat phobic nonsense. And I told him at the end of my conversation, when I was done talking, I said, well, based on this, I need to find another gynecologist. Because people don't care about the ways in which they talk to you and about your body. They don't care about the repercussions that has on you emotionally or mentally, right? Because healthism, again, puts the spotlight on the person. It becomes your personal responsibility and it's your fault. Why you are the way that you are. And since fat is the devil to this country, to this society, um, it's your fault why you're fat, right? And in my opinion, this is just me. At the crux, at the heart of healthism, um, when we people who are obsessed about fitness and health, again, it's not about health, right? It's not, in my opinion, it's not about health, it's not about fitness. It's really about you avoiding the stigma of what it means to be fat in society, right? It's kind of like Jane Elliott's little... Uh, her little demonstration that she did, there was a video that was running viral about people who believe that black people got treated equal in this country. Everybody raised their hand. Then she asked people, well, how many of y'all want to be black? And nobody raised their hand, right? It's a whole lot similar to that, okay? Nobody wants to be fat. Why don't people want to be fat? Well, people don't want to be fat because they know how society treats fat people. They know. There was a research uh, article that was what, that was published not too long ago that actually said that people would rather lose a limb, okay? Lose a limb than be fat. And so when we start talking about the issues of healthism, we start talking about, you know, why it's toxic. This is part of the reason, okay? Like people are fighting with all their might not to be a particular size in their body, not because it's not healthy, even if they've been fed that lie. But the biggest thing is because of the stigma that's associated with a fat body, okay? And we got to kind of, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nothing makes sense, Okay. So dealing with this makes me, you know, makes me on a more conscious, like this is why it's necessary. This is why we need to talk about it because people tell lies. And unless you confront the lies, you just never know. Research, okay? Social science research. And in a lot of ways, medical research is screaming against what diet culture is saying. And nobody knows because oftentimes the lay public, individuals in everyday lives don't have access to that information, okay? The fitness industry, health industry, beauty industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. They literally make money off of telling people that they are not good enough and that they'll never be good enough unless they use their products. And now, you know, we can add into that the food industry. We can talk about agriculture. We can talk about how an organic apple is gonna cost you an extra dollar fifty. Okay, everybody's making money 
off of this idea that people are not good enough the way that they are. Well, you know, these apples, these things are sprayed with pesticides. So in order to get rid of pesticides, you need to eat this organic, eat this organic beef. That's going to cost you an extra $3. Eat this organic, these organic fruits and these vegetables, right? And if we really start talking about socioeconomic status, if we really start talking about who can afford that, that type of food, okay, we ain't talking about poor people, y'all. We ain't talking about people who, who live in other areas. Um, if it's a super urban area, you don't have access to organic foods. We're not talking about them, those individuals either. And so healthism in a lot of ways can be racist, okay? It can be classist, and it doesn't account for the intersections in life. It doesn't, it doesn't account for people who would be considered disabled. Some people can't be uh, fitness gurus. Y'all, some people can't eat what they say you should be eating. And healthism doesn't really make, uh, doesn't really make a, uh, a case for those individuals. So, moving on. There is a paradigm that does make a case for these individuals. And that is the health at every size paradigm. And so, the health at every size paradigm is important um, kind of in reverse because it is intersectional, right? It does take an account of class, race, gender, in some ways, um, environment, socioeconomic status, um, and it's a lot, it's a more holistic approach to health, right? So the health at every size paradigm is not just talking about physical health. It's talking about mental health. It's talking about emotional health, right? It's talking about body trust, to be able to sit down and eat until you're full, get up, to move your body the way that your body feels comfortable being moved, not these regimens, right? Not this personal trainer who stands over top of you and tells you, you know, to give give them 10 more push-ups when your body feels like it's going out. I don't know why we would celebrate that. Like, why do we celebrate beating our bodies into a pulp? Um, and so there are issues like that. Um, but body trust is not based on arbitrary numbers, right? So it's not about you eating every four hours. It's not about you having at least three meals a day. It's not about you eating six times a day, small little meals, etc. It's about you trusting your body, right? Eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're not. It's about you participating in movements, right? I tell my friends this often. We used to talk about this. I say, you know, what we call exercise today is what our parents called when we were younger, go outside and play. When we talk about moving your body, it doesn't have to be in a particular way. It doesn't have to be Jane Fonda, right? You might just want to dance around your house. That lightens your mood. That puts you in a better emotional space. That puts you in a better mental space. Now, if lifting weights puts you in that place, then that's cool, right? But if somebody looks at what you do and they say, well, that's not exercise. Like, whatever. Health at every, the health at every size paradigm makes room for that. What else about the health at every size paradigm that I enjoy so much? Yeah, so there's no good or bad dichotomy when we talk about the health at every size paradigm, right? There's no such thing as a good fatty and a bad fatty. Um, it's just about you. It's about where you are in your own journey. It's about working towards the things that make you feel good, that make you feel like, you know, in some ways, like you're at, you're achieving or not even achieving, but you're, you know, you're functioning at your best self. Um, and so there isn't this, this comparison that's taking place. Um, health at every size paradigm also doesn't have wanky side effects, right? That throw off your metabolism and your hormones, all of that stuff. You don't have to worry about if you participate in a health at every size paradigm, right? You're not worried about, you know, if you, if you eat a piece of cake, how all the weight is going to come back. 
Man, listen, in 2012, I'm just saying, I had a graduation party. I was working out hard. I was I was in deep. Healthism was like running my life in some ways. And um I had watermelon. I ate watermelon for my for my um for my graduation party. Man, I got on the scale afterwards. I had gained like seven seven to ten pounds. And I was like pissed, okay, angry and upset. And at that point, um, I think those were one of the things, like, you know, how you live your life and certain things wake you up along the way. I couldn't fathom it. And then people, I, you know, I was a part of a forum, so I was asking questions. they like, yeah, watermelon will do it. Really? Watermelon. I had some watermelon because I celebrated getting a bachelor's degree. And as a result, I gained seven pounds. It's ridiculous. Okay? And so, um, eating a piece of cake on the health at every size paradigm doesn't have the same impact. And that's cake. I'm pretty sure if I ate watermelon, I'd be straight. Okay? I'd be straight. Um, and so, what else about the health at every size? Uh, I talked about it being inclusive, a difference. It is intersectional. Um, and the health of every size paradigm does make you feel, um, it helps to celebrate what makes you feel good, safe, and strong, right? And this kind of pushes back against the idea of weight stigma and fat shaming, right? So when we talk about weight stigma, we talk about fat shaming, people often believe that they can shame people into change. This is problematic because what you what typically happens, or at least what research says happen, is that when people are shamed about a particular thing, they just go back to the thing, the behavior um, that people are trying to, in some ways, take them away from. So individuals, when they're fat shamed, they typically, if you're fat shamed about working out, if you're fat shamed about your body, um, individuals tend tend to not work out, right? They don't hit the gym thinking like, oh, they'll stop making fun of me if I do this. No, they're more likely to be like, well, I'm not working out. And that makes sense, right? If you go to the gym and you're made fun of, how likely are you to go back? You're probably not going back, okay? And so the health at every size paradigm allows people to find themselves within their bodies, reconnect to their bodies, understand the movement that is being made within their bodies, okay? Loving their bodies, owning their bodies. And then as a result, they start to feel better about themselves and they participate in behaviors, movements, and in, in, um and they eat foods that make them function the best way that they know how, right? So then it's not a list that doctors give you that say, oh, you should be eating barley grass and broccoli, okay? Well, maybe barley grass and broccoli doesn't work for me. Maybe I like asparagus. But I don't know that without being able to kind of explore on my own, okay? I'm not following a regimen. I'm not following a diet that tells me what I can and cannot eat. For years, I used to walk around thinking that, you know, I didn't really want to lose weight because I didn't want to eat salads. Y'all, guess what I found out? I don't like lettuce. Mind blown, okay? And when I was able to to realize like, oh, wait, the reason why you don't eat salads a lot is because you don't like the stuff that's in it. I was able to kind of change and transform to eat what I actually like to eat. Okay, and be happy with those things. Um, and so the health of every size paradigm kind of gives you space to do that. It also gives you space to kind of look at your own emotional health, right? Because again, like I said, even within the fat community, we need to unpack what is fat phobia, internalized fat phobia. We need to unpack internalized weight stigma, right? And hopefully we can get to a place to where we are looking at ourselves, accepting ourselves and loving ourselves as ourselves, regardless of the size of our bodies where we are right now. Right. Um, And the same thing with body movements and fitness. Like you don't have to do insanity. 
I did insanity. Like, I don't know, last year sometime. I just wanted to do it because I wanted to see if I could do it or not. And as I, you know, as I was bringing my knees up to my chin, okay, and as I, you know, I asked myself, I had a moment in between breaths to say, why would anybody kind of do this? Why would you subject yourself to this type of treatment, right? My days off, there was no, no, I think insanity is like six days on, one day off, right? You ask yourself these questions. Why would people do this? But part of it is because you buy into diet culture. You buy into the myth of healthism in a lot of ways. And so you're looking for an outcome. So people beat their bodies in a way that typically is not healthy um, or doesn't promote promote good things physically. Uh, and they find themselves in this position. Um, so health at every size paradigm gives you the opportunity to kind of navigate that for yourself. And so in closing, I would say um, just some connections if people want to know more about the health at every size paradigm. Linda Bacon, her name is Linda Bacon. Um, she's kind of known as the pioneer for health at every size. You could always look her up and find out information. Uh, there's also ASDA, which is the Association for Size, Diversity, and Health. Um, they also uh, talk a lot about the health at every size paradigm. And let me see if I can pull up their, their website. So it's sizediversityandhealth.org. Um, and there's a lot of information on there that kind of talks about why um, we kind of push back against healthism. Um, you know, and, and to me, this is really just an opportunity to kind of share some information and, and tell people that you don't have to fit, you know, you don't have to fit into what society is telling you that you need to fit into to be quote unquote health. Your health is more than just the weight that you carry. Your health is also what's going on inside your body that people cannot see, right? Your health is also what's going on emotionally and mentally um, with you as well. And so it's important that you are going to be the, the in a lot of ways, the, the biggest determiner of, of how you feel, how you feel and what works for you. Tell everybody else to mind their business, to worry about themselves, right? Because the people who take stuff out your cart and at the supermarket, like they must not care about their physical health, okay? Because the salt is real. Am I like it is what it is? Like you do some stuff that's that's grossly offensive and see see if you don't the probability of you catching hands don't go up. It does. Okay. So again, I like to thank everybody for listening today. Um, you know, I. And I, and I appreciate appreciate those that do listen. Um, so we do have a Facebook discretion group um, that people can join, that you can be a part of. Um, and I think it's called the Fresh Out the Cocoon discussion group. Uh, we also have a page on Facebook, which is Fresh Out the Cocoon. There's a store where you can buy t-shirts and stuff, which is freshoutthecocoon.com. There's also some products on the Facebook page if you go there. You can follow me on Instagram at fresh out the cocoon um and then obviously there's the soundcloud um we are on google play we're also on tune in and i don't know where people are listening um to me from um but soundcloud is kind of the home base so thank you all for tuning in and uh yeah until next time oh y'all so i got some things coming down the pike i got some um i'm gonna start doing interviews here shortly so we got some people that are that are that are going to be um that's going to be on the show i'm excited about it that means i only have to talk like half of the time it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful so make sure that you share make sure you follow make sure you like um like the facebook page like the soundcloud page 
stay in contact with us shoot me emails let's talk let's have some chats um enjoy the rest of your day your night your week your weekend and until next time remember to be you and stay fresh